Finding the right cleat can be transformative. Believe me, I've worn plenty during my career. So getting the right balance is crucial. The cleat needs to feel good on your foot, but also feel good connecting with the ball. The New Balance Furon 7 Plus is built with both of those points in mind, offering overall comfort and precise striking in the game's fastest moments. Because, as I learned the hard way, because I didn't possess much of it, speed matters in soccer. That's why the Furon 7 Plus is built for accuracy and precision at rapid pace and is engineered specifically for use on firm ground. Why is this the ideal cleat, I hear you ask? Well, not to get too scientific, but the Furon 7 Plus offers a lightweight yet supportive hypo-knit with mesh lining upper construction and is paired with offset lacing for a truer strike of the ball, which is a long way of me saying that your game will immediately get better when these are on your feet. Learn more and purchase the Furon at NewBalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Jolly's favorite podcast at Soccer We Trust. I'm Jimmy Trash Can Cream Cheese Connor, Video Combat, also known as Jim, alongside Hollywood Heartbreak Kid Heath Pierce, and finally showing his face after taking a few shows off. It's Taylor Twelman's number one fan, Charlie Chuck Wagon Davies. Oh, and like always, we him. have a great show for you today. <laughs> we're previewing the U.S. men's national team's first game in the Gold Cup this weekend against Jamaica. We're going to be talking about Leo Messi's first game in MLS. We're going to be talking about Chuck's experience in Las Vegas and being part of the Nations League. Obviously, so many great things. But first, I got to get a temperature from everybody. Chuck, it's great to see you. How you doing, buddy? It's great to be here. And that that might be your best intro ever. So uh, <laughs> while, while you're while you're over there bathing in the Nile, uh, you know, I was I was in <laughs> Vegas. Just enjoy. Like, could we have predicted or imagined the U.S. at this stage? playing as well as they did and absolutely mopping the floor with Mexico, that most dominant performance ever against a Mexico a team. And then similarly against Canada played them off the park. They, they, they were out coached. They were, they were out performed and to, to watch that unfold was, was incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Heath. I, I'm oh, going to I, chop I, you right now, so yeah. I apologize for that for everybody listening. But yeah. but we we've recapped this, and it's great to get Charlie's thoughts on this. I, I kind of want to know what Charlie thinks about your coffee buddy BJ Callahan. But but I want you to talk about how you've been doing the last couple of days first. <laughs> oh, I've been I've been good. I've been good to be honest with you. Um, so we we don't have to spend much time on how I'm feeling at the moment. We can get right into it, Jimmy. Hey, okay. uh, tell, uh, tell us about uh, BJ Callahan then. BJ yeah. Callahan, talk to us about him. But I got a comment uh, on, on the YouTube section. Elijah Armstrong, great commentary last night by Heath on the Sporting Galaxy game while Charlie was trying his best to speak Spanish during the Mexico third place game. Hey, <laughs> my Spanish was all right. I'm coming back into it. Uh, Adrian Garcia Marquez is, is is a legend, um, and it was it was awesome to call my first international matches, both the semifinal between Canada Canada and Panama, and then 
the Mexico Panama uh, third place game. But um, BJ Callahan is is a straight shooter. What what I love about BJ was when I was traded to the Philadelphia Union, and and him being the the third assistant or second assistant um, under Mike Sorber. I had to work with him because I was coming back from, from cancer. And so I had been out for three or four months and I spent a lot of time with BJ during after trainings, you know, going over video. I was always like, BJ, why am I not playing more? Like what the hell is going on? And and he loved that about me. I was super competitive, but ultimately I was, I was one of those guys in the locker room trying to, you know, give my, my advice to some of the younger guys uh, and also push them in training, be the glue. And so me and BJ had a lot of conversations and look, he, he tells you how it is. He's super positive. I mean, he he's, he's had to grind to get to where he is. So I'm, I'm, I'm super pumped about what he's been able to, how he's been able to transition into being a, a second assistant at the union to being just a video guy an analysis guy for the U S men's national team being around the team, but not a coach. And all of a sudden, here he is as the interim coach for the U.S. Women's National Team, and he's killing it. And what what I think we can all see is he's taken Anthony Hudson's adjusted tactics of now playing with a more of a, a number 10, a more attacking midfielders, and only one sixth on a double pivot. But what he's done is it's kind of expanded on that. Given Gio Reyna in that spot, we've seen how Gio has excelled because he's so gifted in those tight spaces doesn't have to rely on his his pace or his quickness which he's he's not a player who relies on that but when he's on the wings he has to run a lot more and probably not good for his hamstrings um considering all the injuries that he's had so he's just in terms of distribution and being able to beat people in the dribble and, and dictate the tempo uh giving Gio Reyna the keys to do that for this national team was incredible and I don't know if Heath is going to be talking all that noise about Chris Richards like he was in the past um because we saw he's the real deal. Well, Chuck, I, you need to you need to chill. Think, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll jump in. Yeah, well, yeah, we need to we need to talk <laughs> about this roster in particular. And I, I want to use this segue, Chuck. I want to use this segue about playing with a number ten because I'm curious if BJ Callahan's going to do the same thing throughout the Gold Cup because it is an interesting roster. So producer Alex can throw up the roster. For- the U.S. Men's National Team with regard to this is that uh, we only, seven of this 23-man roster have over 20 caps for the U.S., but the group is... Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jimmy. Obviously, Jimmy's got a bunch of... Jimmy, uh, Jim, Jimmy, you're, Jimmy, you're skipping all over the we place. Got you on, we got you on a, on, a, on a lag right now, so... You're on, you're on uh, glitch.com right now. <laughs> but... <laughs> but it's all right. What well, Jimmy, what, uh, you know, for uh, from what I understand is obviously not a super experienced roster roster that we're putting out into this this Gold Cup. In fact, probably not even the strongest team right now in the group. If you look at the teams versus who Jamaica, Jamaica are putting out, uh, it's a it's a straight up Caribbean group right now, and and obviously uh, it's going to be a ton uh, a ton of work for us to to match up and win out win out in this group. But it's a huge opportunity for a number of these players. Uh, I think. To, to prove themselves when we, when we went back to how they were building these rosters, uh, you know, everybody was mad that we didn't just have like, we live in a, delu- like we, we, we have some fans that live in a delusional world. Some don't, but some do where they name, think that you just like them in this group chat, <laughs> all of them, all of them. No, but like this idea that you're not just trying to manage two groups 
and a summer where you have players on the move, players that need breaks, players that need rest. You have your A team, you have your B team. Like very rarely do we just go A team and then B team because you kind of got a hedge, right, Charlie? Like you got a hedge on players that you're going to want to use in the group, but you're also maybe saying, oh, this guy probably can't bring him to the Gold Cup because he's got got to get back into preseason or he needs some rest or maybe he's on the move this summer and all these things. But we end up with this team here for for uh, the Gold Cup. And just curious what your thoughts are in terms of, you know, we're the U.S., so clearly we should be, quote-unquote, the favorites. But it's certainly an opportunity for a lot of these guys to, to, to prove themselves that they should be maybe a step closer to the, what I would call, quote-unquote, A-team. Yeah, it, like you said, this is one of those tournaments where it's, a, it's all about opportunity. And for a player like Brandon Vasquez, he, only, he has three caps to his name. So let's see what he's like in, in a tournament format. Uh, Zendejas, three caps to his name. Another player we, we want to see more of. Uh, Cade Cowell, I think coming off the U-20 World Cup, three goals. Has 13 starts this season, n- zero goals and three assists. We talked about him learning how to control his pace and, and changing his speed and, and not being so reliable on just running in behind. Can he hold up the ball? Can he take touches? I think that's what we've we've noticed from, from him. And then, uh, you know, Gianluca Busio, he, he's kind of been off the radar for, for a while because he hasn't really played with Venezia. So what where is he? What what's his progress look like? And, and another player like Georgi Mihailovic, who was on, on the path to becoming an MVP candidate before an injury kind of sidelined him, made the move to Alkmaar in, in the Netherlands, played in the Europa Conference League, uh, didn't re- get a lot of minutes. But I think he's also taken steps forward in his game. So it, it'll be good to go. To, and you've been singing Aiden Morris's praises for a while. Uh, a, a tough midfielder, breaks up plays, gets around. I think he only has two caps. In my mind, he has to play a little bit quicker, actually a lot quicker. Uh, but he he has the potential, no doubt. Yeah, when I think about him, he's one that I, 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 I always worry about. Um we've seen a number of these players in the past, especially when you talk about central midfielders, right? That are just so good for their club teams because they play within a system that benefits them. And then you see them go to them. And and, and I honestly mean this. It's generally your sixes or your eights that have, at least in my opinion, the biggest trouble converting that into the international game because you can see so much flow and rhythm to some of these players that sometimes it doesn't translate. I'd like to see if he can step up and be as dominant as we've seen him at the MLS level. And that's a big jump. But I, I do think he's got some of those tools that I've seen throughout the season to be able to do that. Another one for me is Brian Reynolds, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I go back to your your, your comment uh, just a, a few moments ago on, on Chris Richards, right? And when I think about Brian Reynolds, he's one where I'm like, he's deeper in the depth chart. Chris Richards doesn't have any real competition right now, I think, in, in, the, in the center back position. If he had... I think he'd be buried because of his lack of playing time. You see when he gets on the field how good he is, right? You see the quality that he has. Or you're has. saying with the U.S. or with Crystal Palace? With, with the U.S., right? Just naturally because he spent, uh, and, and I said this, this is a kid who, he's got 40 professional games to his name. And you see mm-hmm. how good he is when he's on the field, right? You, mm-hmm. you, can, you can do that at, at, at his age. But as time goes on, right, you become 24, 25, 26. Somebody is going to 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 make your life difficult if you're not going to sort out your club situation. It's just natural. You can't be, you can't never play and just be sharp and good every single time. There's going to come some sort of dip. He's obviously an unbelievable player, but when I think about a Brian Reynolds, not so much about not playing, but another player that 
came in with so much talent all the way back to the last nations league. Uh, and, and is again, trying to find his form as a young player, but is he a center back? Is he a fullback? What kind of position is he going to be? Where is his impact how deep in the depth charts is he? How far along is he? Because similar to, uh, um, Gianluca Busio, I haven't had a chance to see him play a lot over the last 12 months. I know he's been playing. I know he's been consistent. We've seen the potential that he has, especially his ability on the ball. But what kind of impact can he have now with this string of six games versus being called in for a two two game international break where maybe he gets, you know, 10 minutes uh, and you don't really get to see him. You know what I mean? Like he's he's mm-hmm. in the pool, but you don't really get a chance to validate him or say, hey, he's not there yet. Let's check in again in some months. Yeah, uh, I see a comment, you know, where's Luna, Paxton Aronson, Paredes Brooks? Well, those players in particular, Paxton Paredes, they have to be at preseason. This is a, this is a, a vital preseason for them to to show that they're either they're competing for a starting spot or they're competing for that player off the bench, that young player who's going to, who's going to get, you know, the rotation minutes, which is mm-hmm. obviously crucial to their development. So they wouldn't be brought into a gold, a gold cup because it's more important that they get their club situation. Right. And then um, I think Brian Reynolds is, is an interesting player because he, he made the, the loan move to, to Belgium to get time. And he's playing all of a sudden, match after match. And this is a, a good opportunity to, to show everyone where he's at in terms of, okay, is, is this an, a number two option un, under or number three option under Scally? Is he, is he around Scally? What's that summer move look like for him? But I think in terms of Richards, you know, it's an opportunity because Tim Ream is injured. I think Tim Ream is still a starter on this national team. Miles Robinson showed his quality, but unfortunately had had a, a, a little bit of a hamstring injury. So Chris Richards' quality, I hope that he gets playing time. I saw that uh, there was an approach for one of his center backs on his Crystal Palace team, uh, Anderson, for a move. Uh, so I'm hoping that happens because he he needs to be playing. He's that good, especially passing out of the back. Uh, just just a, a player that is needed to to um continue to develop that back line for the for the Massachusetts team. Dewan Jones is another interesting one as a left back because if Anti Robinson goes down, there there isn't an, any natural left backs right now. And Dewan Jones was not a natural left back, but now I feel like that's his position. He's made it a, a home and, and he'll pro- probably be considered a natural left back from here on out. And it, it was funny, I spoke to uh Tim Tim Weah after the match, and he's also looking for a move, but as a wing back, that's where he thinks long term he's going to play his club position as a wing back. Are well, we talking about back three as a wing back, like in a back three system? Somewhere? In a back three system, yeah, yes. Um, which I I found to be interesting because he was so dominant as an attacking winger with the U.S. in 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 this past Nations League, so. Um, it'll be interesting to see where he ends up uh, this summer, but definitely I think a move is is on the cards. Uh, John Brooks, I see a lot of people asking about John Brooks. I just don't think he's he's anywhere close to to being in the team or, or considered in the team unless there's some major injuries at the center back position. So we obviously, that, know, we know something happened. We don't know what yeah. it is, but it's obviously mm-hmm. lingered on and it's affected all of that stuff. Um, yeah. Well, let's get on to the to, to the group a little bit. Obviously. Um, for for those that 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 don't know, Nicaragua was kicked out of Concacaf Gold Cup for fielding an ineligible player. Um, in eight international games, Trinidad took their place. Saint Kitts and Nevis uh, qualified for their first ever Gold Cup. Shout out to uh, Atiba 
uh, Harris, who I former teammate of mine, I believe he's the president of the St. Kitts Nevis uh, Federation. But it's it's a huge accomplishment for the for the for the uh, you know anytime that you have a small island uh, uh, team uh, to be able to get this far, it's a huge step in in, in their trajectory mm-hmm. and, and hopefully gives more funding and opportunity for them to continue to develop players. But the way this is going to play out, uh, June twenty fourth, U.S. versus Jamaica, Soldier Field in Chicago. Um, an iconic ground, I think, in my mind, in terms of matches played there. Uh, no doubt. Uh, and then uh, June 28th, it'll be against St. Kitts and Nevis. Nevis? Nevis? Um, and that'll be in St. Louis. Awesome place to play. And then July 2nd uh, against Trinidad. It's an all it's an all Caribbean uh, group in this one, minus the U.S. Uh, I guess we got can, can, Puerto Rico. I, I, in, in the I would have asked, can we play on the road in, in each yeah. of these games? <laughs> exactly that'd be a that'd be a fun fun little trip and that one's at bank of america stadium in charlotte um and that one's on july 2nd um just as an update on kind of where the group is at now chuck there's a lot of people saying uh are, are jamaica the dark horses uh to win this tournament obviously have i don't yes. know, I think it was like six leon, or seven players i mean you got leon, leon bailey uh damari gray michael antonio right right that's your your front three mm-hmm so, I mean, and then you have like Shamar Nicholson, who who has scored a bunch of goals coming off the bench. Yep. Uh, um, you have Got Bobby De, De, De Cordova Reed, uh, who yeah. is at Fulham. I mean, yeah, Bernard, yeah, Pinnock. You have like, you know, it's I think it's six or seven Premier League players that have committed to this, and 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 I don't yeah. and, and and I don't just mean this for the Gold Cup, right? When you look at the way that qualifying is going to happen for Jamaica, and you look at these players. It is a chance to go to a World Cup, the biggest World Cup ever in the way that it's going to play out, right? Because you have U.S., Canada, Mexico, they're out. They're already in. Uh, and now you've got to go and, and, and make, a, make a World Cup with, with a lot more teams in it that mm-hmm. they've got to like their odds. Obviously, we, we see Jamaica against Mexico, great. Uh, but Jamaica in general just couldn't get it going. Mikel Antonio was just a bit late to, to, um, to um, being able to be, yeah, yeah qualifying, be able to be uh, contributing. But again, you got, you know, Corey Brick. They, they've got a number of good CONCACAF players that we know. And then you add that to some quality. It's a matter of whether or not they can bring it all together. Andre Blake obviously being another one. I mean, it's it's a good, it's a really good team that I look at this and I go, these guys might be be one of the, I don't even call them dark horses, but when you look at it now versus all the rosters that have been released, one of the favorites, at least, if you look at it on rosters and and we know that paper means nothing because you've got to pull it all together and somehow build a system and a, and a way in which you're going to go about getting results and it can't just be about individuals, but they look like somebody that that should be a, a semifinal at a minimum, if not a finalist uh, in this gold cup. A spot on Heath and, and shout out to YouTube comments, Bala, Bala kick 90 on paper. Yes, but too bad football isn't played on paper. It's not. So when people say, oh, you know, how how could you say that a team is better than X team? Because look at the roster. It doesn't matter because you, you don't games aren't won on 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 a, on a starting 11 on a piece of paper or a graphic. So there's some pundits out there who, who seem to think that, oh, because you see a starting 11 that uh, that t- player couldn't make that starting 11. And, it's not what it's about. Look at Morocco and Croatia's roster over the past, you know, Morocco, this World Cup, and, and Croatia in the two World Cups. Sometimes 
Yeah, their starting 11 doesn't match up to the team that they're playing in those knockout rounds. But they still get the, the job done because it's about a team. How do they play as a team? And how do they work together? And so that, that just goes out to some some people who who seem to think they, they know a lot. Um, but in, in terms of this Jamaica side, they haven't been able to put it together. And that's what we saw in World Cup qualifying because, you, as you alluded to, it was late putting these these pieces together and it was almost like desperation we can get to a world cup let's try and get get to qatar but you need to build some sort of of chemistry with this group and, and have like have them be coached properly mm-hmm. and so once they start learning tendencies then you start to see the thing the thing flow i mean look at look at the 11 from the us these past two games and against mexico and, and, and canada they were all in sync they had an identity there there was movement and passing and defending collectively as a group and then really just using the players at your disposal in terms of dribbling ability and pace and 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 isolating them to make sure that they're playing to their strengths once jamaica does that they will they will be a force in concacaf no doubt that's well said. Well, listen, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, obviously, we're going to talk a little bit about Mexico-Canada rosters. We'll throw those up for you guys to be able to see if you're watching this on YouTube. We're going to talk about uh, how BJ Callahan will line up. And then we've got a lot of other things like Chuck on Nations League and Burhalter's return and a number of other things going around in the soccer landscape. So don't go anywhere. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, everybody, to In Soccer We Trust. We are previewing USA versus Jamaica, as well as covering all the other things heading into this Gold Cup, as well as uh, kind of news from around the world with regard to the U.S. men's national team. I mean, we have a, a way of just connecting our, our tentacles into everything going on because somehow it all filters back into our U.S. men's national team. But, Charlie, um, let's, uh, let's, let's look at... Um, I guess we'll start with Canada's roster. Let's take a look at Canada's roster. If we got that, and we can throw that up on the screen. Um, when you look at the, the the players that they're bringing into this one, certainly uh, uh, a good contingency of players that were, were part of uh, nations league. Mm-hmm. There's some consistency in this team here. So I expect them, you know, you talk about Jamaica needing to have that type of system, right? And the U S had been working on that. And what feels like maybe closer than we thought to, to, to figuring it out, right? There was some buy-in needed to be able to go a little more offensive. We know that, that somebody like a, a, um, a uh, Gio Reyna needed needs to be able to commit to be willing to do the work in that position, right? That's a two-way position in our team. You got to be able to do the work. He did exactly that. He balled out. Um, and then offensively, we know what he's capable of doing. Canada, similarly, right? They've got a system. They got punched in the face by the U.S. That Oof. whole like grit and mentality of the thing that was going to, we're going to make it hard for you. They had some chances in the second half, but by and large, that game was already put to bed in a lot of ways. Maybe it goes another, there, another way if they're able to squeak one in there. But But for the most part, getting that early goal changed the trajectory of everything. And, and also just the U S team is in form right now, but we look at this roster here. I mean, they're also one that, that they've got to be liking their chances, which is bizarre, right? Because it's not like they've gone out and gotten a bunch of stars. They've just continued to develop as a, as a country, as a nation, as a system and the way in which they want to play, it'd be difficult to play against. But um, you know, this roster itself, 
isn't full of you know necessarily their biggest names, but it is full of guys that have got the experience to be able to at least help this put them in the conversation for for a deep run in this tournament. Yeah, I'd like to see Dane St. Clair get the start in this Gold Cup because we saw Milan Borjan get the 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 starts in Nations League. So and he didn't wear his sweatpants, which is nonsense. And it's no. partially why I think that why why it didn't work out for them is that, yeah. that the dad's sweatpants are, are <laughs> you a gotta have the, the, yeah. You gotta you gotta have it. And then uh Scott Kennedy got absolutely torched and roasted uh against the US. So I, I would expect Stephen Vittoria to go back uh to the center of the back three alongside Kamal Miller and it'll be interesting to see what they do with Adekugbe. Does he play the left sided center back in that back three or does he play as a as a wing back? Richie Larea is is very important to this team. So I expect him to get the the start uh as a wing back. And then you're looking at either Zachary Brogiard uh playing on the other on their wing or moving Scott Kennedy into that back three and and, and Adekugbe uh being on one side Richie Larea on the other. So that there's quality on the wing, and then the midfield, Eustachio is 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 a top midfielder in Concacaf, so mm-hmm. you you feel pretty good about that. He'll probably be playing next to Osorio, and you could probably drop Junior Holet in, into that role as an attacking midfielder. And then up top, you could they've been playing with two, um, sometimes in a three. Jason Russell Rowe has been good with Columbus Crew. I expect to hit, for him to get a run out. Uh, Cavallini has been there for a while. So, I mean, Schelfelberg is kind of like your work rate guy, just mm-hmm. up and down. Um, so, I mean, that that's that's a team that's going to compete. It's it's not a, a Jamaica fear factor in terms of their potential, but they have continuity. They've played with each other. Uh, it's It'll be an interesting uh, Canadian side in the Gold Cup. That's well said. Well, let's move over and throw up uh, the Mexico roster if we've got that one as a graphic as well, just to take a mm-hmm. look and and uh, kind of walk through 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 this one, uh, Chuck. Obviously, you know, again, another team on paper that it, you know, I, I I would probably say this every time the U.S. goes to our B team because when I think about our B team, it's it's you, and I don't mean this in a derogatory way, but it's closer to our C team, right? It's not our first eleven. It's not our second eleven. It's sort of a mix of a few of those first 11, a few from the second, and then a core of the players available left available when you have these double uh, double summer tournaments. Right. Um, but 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 Mexico look like they're putting out a, a really strong team in this one as well. And 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 makes me wonder, obviously, I think Coca was the was the wrong option, but who one thousand percent could could this be a turning point for them? to be able to do something special in this tournament or, or reset the expectations of what it's like to, to play in the Mexico Jersey. They, they have a strong roster. Uh, they haven't been coached. Well, Diego Coco was not the right coach. And you, you could tell early on, probably three games in, you knew what you were getting from Diego Coca in terms of putting them in a back three. That's not the strength of Mexico. They lost the midfield. They don't have midfielders who can who can cover ground. So you can't have two players in, in Edson Alvarez and, and Luis Chavez being responsible for controlling the midfield. So I knew he wasn't the, the right coach right away just by the way he set them up. So he didn't set them up yeah. to, to play to their strengths. In terms of this squad, you, Julian Araujo, he, he's, this is a tournament where he's got to get going. He, he didn't have a strong nations league, but this is a good opportunity to play a full gold cup, uh, be the one who gets the run out and, and goes after it. Um, Cesar Montes gets the red card against the U S 
he needs to redeem himself. Edson Alvarez hasn't played well in a Mexican shirt in a long time. I, I mean, dating back to last Nations League final, he 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 hasn't been good. He hasn't been good for Mexico. They and they've tried him in center back at World Cup qualifying. That didn't work. He doesn't have pace. He needs the game needs to be played a certain way for him to be successful. So uh, look look for him to try and stake his claim as 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 still the guy. And he's trying to get a summer move. I mean, Dortmund have been linked with him. Uh, Charlie Rodriguez and Luis Romo. Uh, Luis Romo looked pretty good in in the Nations League third place match. I I, I would expect to him have a bigger role in this tournament. Santi Jimenez is a baller for Feyenoord. I mean, he showed some quality, not the finished product, I'd say, just yet. Um, but in terms of other forwards, he's the only one that kind of gives you gives you hope because Henry Martinez definitely didn't look the part in the, the, the Nations League semifinal. Alexis Vega could, could be interesting. Uh, Oziel Herrera is a player who who has some quality. Diego Coca coached him at Atlas, and that's why he, I think, was called in the first place, but I, I like what I've seen from him. And then, um, man, pfft. oh, Uriel Antuna. We've seen, we know what his game is. We've seen, we've seen it with LA Galaxy. It's, it's very predictable. Now, predictable can still be effective, but I, I, he's, he's not being used to, to, uh, you know, his benefit in terms of him already being in the space that he should be running into instead of occupying. Cause he's not a player who's going to beat you one V one. He's just North South. That's yeah. his game. And that's fine if it's done right. But at, at the moment it's, it's not looking good. Uh, I, I mean, there's not, do, do you see anybody on the squad that you're moved by? No, I mean, not necessarily moved by, but it, it's, it's, I think Mexico have, I think they're in a transitional period. I don't think they have the pipeline that they once had of, of players coming in or the legends to hold down the spots that they once did. I think that's that gap is growing, right, of who's knocking on the door. And maybe that was an over-reliance on legends of sticking around too long and you didn't get the opportunity or you didn't have the talent coming through. Either way, um, but they do have the ability to, to, to flip that switch when they are confident. And it, it makes me wonder if they're going to be dangerous in this one or playing with a little bit less of the stress. We know what it's like to play for Mexico. It's a lot more stressful than representing the United States in terms of the media, the pressure, the expectations, uh, what it's like to coach there. Uh, we talk about toxicity. It, it is far more toxic in, in that world than it is in, in the U S soccer circles. Um, but Chuck, let's, let's actually shift the conversation back to, uh, the U S Jamaica game. And maybe we throw up the U S the U S uh, roster, uh, for this one again, and would love to get your take on again, uh, Knowing that we, knowing that we, well, yeah, because it's one thing to say, okay, the U S now plays with a single, uh, six and we play with maybe, um, less of a double pivot or, or more on like a one and a two above that or whatever that is, but it is personnel based, right? It's, it's, it's player based. Mm -hmm. So who do you, who do you think gets the start in this Jamaica game, knowing that Jamaica is probably going to be the toughest test in this tournament until you get to a semifinal. Right. And uh, I also want to shout out all the listeners right now because I ran in Heath. I ran into a bunch of people in Las Vegas that said they are diehard fans of in soccer. We trust a, a, a lot of, a lot of people came up to me and said, we love the pod. It's epic. Somebody ran into me in the casino and said, do you really have like 10 homes? And I said, uh, 
yeah. <laughs> no, but uh, uh, shout out to everybody listening. We really appreciate it. It's it's awesome to hear that feedback. Um, and then uh, we just I just saw a question on the YouTube section. Amy Crossetero, who is the interim manager for Mexico? It's Jaime Lozano, and he was in the youth. He was a youth coach in the setup, so he coached a lot of these guys coming through the system. And that'll be the interim manager. But this is my predicted uh, projected starting best 11 for this gold cup, uh, ultimately at least to start to start. And so I have Matt Turner in goal. Uh, I know Gaga Sonino would be good. Where's, to see. where's Robinson at, by the way, is he is what, what's up with the, uh, with the uh, hamstring knock? Is, yeah. Is, it was it, it's, yeah, it's, it, it's, he'll, he, I think he thinks he'll be able to play in this tournament. I would, I would hesitate to let him play in the group stage and let him get some, you know, training sessions in, go through a couple games and have him be ready for the knockout rounds. But um, I, I think he'll be back in training uh, full soon. He, he feels pretty confident about that. But Dewan Jones as the left back, um, you know, it's between him and, and Tolkien. And I think upside, uh, I take Dewan Jones in terms of potential. Um, Jalen Neal, we saw a little bit of him with the galaxy and in, in, in the January camp, I'd like to see more of him at this level as a young center back partnered with miles Robinson. And then Brian Reynolds as as the right back in the, in the midfield, the trio Aiden Morse, who, who's really played well this year with Columbus crew in the midfield, George A. Mihailovic, uh, another player with a lot of potential playing already at, at Azet Alkmar. I think injuries and, and um, being sick uh, last year hampered his playing time, but he he's hungry. This this is like a moment he's been waiting for, a gold cup. And then Gianluca Busio has kind of been off the grid. Uh, hasn't played that much at Venezia. Actually, his, his American teammate, Tanner Tessman, has, has gotten the playing time. Uh, so it'll and, be he, and, and he likely, I think he would have been called in as well, but he's he has uh, getting married or something this summer. Yeah. And like, whatever. Yeah. So, so Busio gets the call and then up top I'd have on the left wing, Cade Cowell on the right wing, Alex Zendejas and up top Brandon Vasquez. So you have a combination of players who have yet to prove themselves with the national team and may have done so in MLS. And you want to see more of them versus players who you think long-term are, are, are going to be involved in, in that competition for a spot. Yeah, the, the only difference I would I would look at within all this, and because I, I like I like your thinking around this, is that you know I think Robinson's probably not realistic, and that then changes for me. Maybe that's where you go with um, your your Miazga or Aaron Long, both of which I think are behind these two players. I'd go with Miazga in that case. Yeah, but then but then you start to think, okay, is it Miazga? Do you have enough of? Uh, I guess current leadership within the national team to you have, to you have Turner back. there. You have Turner there for sure. But like in that back line, it's a pretty green back line in terms of national team standards that mm-hmm. are you going to, are they going to default to Aaron long and Matt Miazga? Because you're like, well, they maybe don't, they don't have the upside. Like I, I just read a stat yesterday around Jalen Eels that like of all the players with more than 400 passes, he has the highest com- pass completion. Now we know that there's center backs. that just get, win the ball, Get, give the ball. That's the name of that documentary with, with Messi, which is like, you know, win the ball, give the ball to Messi type of thing. Um, but he does have a good range of passing. Defensively, he's good. He's obviously a, a towering figure, but still pretty pretty young. Um, would have loved to have seen him in his performances that could have been at the, at the U20 World Cup, but was relied upon um, at the LA Galaxy who are, who are um, again, continuing to go through it. So that, that would be, that's the only area of the field where, I start to wonder like if this, then that, and without Robinson, how do you then make those types of adjustments? But 
for for the U.S. against Jamaica, where do you think the vulnerabilities lie? Because that's a back line that's pretty inexperienced. You're going to be playing against some big Premier League players uh, when it comes to kickoff. Um, not inexperienced, but like it's a big moment to rise to with a lot of pressure mm-hmm. and your your toughest game in the group and probably, again, your toughest game until you get to a semifinal, if not a final. Well, it's really going to be one on transitioning, controlling the midfield. So the tempo uh, of this, it's it's really got to be the U.S. bossing Jamaica in the midfield. That's where the advantage would be be won or lost. Uh, you could win the game there. The advantage if the U.S. can can really understand how to win that midfield battle because attacking, when you look at what Jamaica has, win the ball and they're going to go forward, it's Mikel Antonio uh, into the channel, uh, also hold the play. He, he did that in World Cup qualifying. But Damari Gray and Leon Bailey running the flanks and behind? That that's going to cause problems for anyone in, in, in Concacaf. So they're not as strong defensively, even though they have Pinnock there. They're not as strong defensively in the midfield. Still question marks. So the U.S. would have to win the game by controlling the midfield and getting into Jamaica's half and forcing those guys to defend. If they could do that, then they win the transition game. They win the control game, and that's how you would neutralize a, a really potent attack from Jamaica. Um, but again, I'm excited to see what these guys can do in this tournament. BJ is going to play attacking. He's not going to sit back. He's not going to be pragmatic. He knows as an American manager, there's nothing to lose for him. There's there's nothing to lose. Go out, attack, and 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 try and and try and basically figure out ways to break down opponent opponents in their half. In their half, there's no sitting back. There's no low block. Maybe a mid block at times because you can't press the whole time. But uh, you know, Cade Cowell, this is a big tournament for him. He 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 could make a move if he has a successful tournament. And then uh, equally for Zendejas, hasn't gotten a look. Now is your your chance to show that you deserve to be a a impact player with within the A squad. Yeah, that's well said. I mean, again, I I don't mind periods if we get pinned back into a low block to. If we're having trouble breaking down their low block, or if they're if they're transitioning on us at times, if we can get into a low block and and utilize uh, Zendejas and Cade Cowell to cheat up a little bit and really stretch them and 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 sort of play a little bit of those games, those are the levels of like intelligence. I hope that we can get to right at few moments mm-hmm. where it's like a couple minutes where like okay, we're pinned back. Well, then they're going to send numbers forward thinking they've got it. Now, can we expose them in certain ways that really just cause chaos for them and force them to have to? change their game plan uh, constantly. But again, looking at this group, Chuck, um, Group A, as I already mentioned, uh, Group B, Honduras, Haiti, Qatar, and Mexico. Group C with Panama, El Salvador, Martinique, and Costa Rica. And then Group D, uh, Guatemala, Canada, Cuba, and Guadalupe. Is, is, there, is there anybody in these groups that you think, you know, outside of, again, we've got, say, the Panama, Costa Rica is the clear clear favors. I mean, El Salvador is one that I think could stir that pot a little bit on in group B. You've got Honduras, Qatar, and Mexico. We saw Qatar in the last gold cup. They had some nice play. They got absolutely battered in the world cup, but, uh, in, in the gold cup, at least the way in which they played the style of play, I think was unique because they were a possession based team. And then obviously group D, uh, Guatemala, Canada, Cuba, and, and Guadalupe is, is there anyone that sticks out for you as, as someone that, that, you know, I don't want to call it Cinderella runs because it's a it's a relatively small, um, you know, um, 
four groups, but but uh, or no huge mysteries. But is there anyone in there that stood out to you that that they that you've read up on? Yeah, I mean, I saw Panama in, in the Nations League, and Coco Karskia is an absolute baller, mm-hmm. and they can be effective. They just lack a goal score. They, they don't have a nine, so they're very good at, at whipping balls in and making the most of those transition moments of of playing between the lines. Coco Karaskia can dribble through the lines. I love Anibal Godoy's game. Those two partner well together, but they, they just lack a, a real presence up top. So I'd say they're a wild card. And then Honduras is, is typically one, one of the, you know, th- three, four in terms of, of CONCACAF teams. They've been knocked down quite a bit. Can they get back into the conversation? Can they compete? Uh, and then Costa Rica, uh, who would normally see in this tournament, just not have been, you know, got beat by Panama to get into the Nations League. Can can they come back into the fold? El Salvador, uh, we have saw what they were able to do in World Cup qualifying. They impressed a lot of people. They're very difficult to play against. That Group C is, is legit in terms of uh, CONCACAF because a lot of quality for, for CONCACAF in that tournament, uh, in that group. But... Yeah, I mean, we've seen Haiti at times look good. Uh, Qatar could be a wild card. That's, I think, everything else is pretty standard, don't you think? Yeah, and I, and, and again, it's it's one of those things where it, you 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 look at some of the teams. Even when I go back to the U twenty World Cup, and and you just see that sometimes they come out a little bit naive and then they wake up for their second game, some of the smaller nations and they go, okay, we're going to play a little bit differently now, right? We're going to make it difficult. We've now gotten the touch and the feel of, of all this and we're, we're going to challenge teams in another way. And that's where it can really stir it up. Not necessarily about them advancing or going further, but they can take points that change the trajectory. Um, some, some of those underdog type of teams, but listen, we're going to take our second and final break of the show. When we come back though, Chuck, we're going to talk about, your Nations League experience, Burhalter's return, and then some uh, news in and around the world. So stay right there. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, actually, a quick comment here. Didn't Qatar look good at the last Gold Cup? I thought they got out of the group at least. Didn't the U.S. beat Qatar in the last Gold Cup? I believe that we did, right? Um, wasn't that who knocked out Qatar out of the Gold Cup? But anyways, they did look good. Um, and if you remember, there was just this sort of like, a number of these players had played under Xavi in Qatar, and they, they, I think it was like 11 of the whole roster, and they had a really good style of play uh, that was you know, good, comfortable on the ball, and, and made you chase them for long periods, and just played very much like a well-oiled uh, machine, no pun intended. Um, but actually, it's natural gas that they have there, not oils. But um, moving on, Chuck, to, to – the uh, your Nations League experience, right? So t- t- talk to us about your your time in Vegas. You already mentioned that you had, you know, some in soccer we trust uh, trust funders uh, as 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 a working title. We're we're calling the the community Chuck while you were gone. You know, we're coming up with the name. Uh, this is the trust fund. Um, we also had some other other names that we're working on. We're spitballing on what the name of the community is going to be. But you ran into some of them. Um, yes. Uh, you, uh, you, you did have, uh, some things to say real quick before we get really into it about, uh, American managers. So I, I believe we have yes. a quick video. We'll roll that real quick. My opinion, an American manager that could take this group right now and get them to play better than where they were in this past world cup. I think this generation feels that the, the movement is to play in Europe, to be 
in those environments? Can you get a manager who's respected in those environments to take this group to the next level? Mm, Chuck, so we got to, we, we, you know, what we do around here is we keep receipts, you know? And so we need, we need to have you. Those receipts have never, have never been questioned. Okay. So do you still feel the same way uh, about the, the Berhalter re rehiring? I do. Yeah. It, it, that hasn't changed, but I think what has changed is that he is the manager. He's been named the manager, but in terms of progressing with this group, I still felt that you'll probably have the, the biggest opportunity for growth. If you had a Shabby Alonso come in and, and be the manager of this group, a young hundred hungry manager, but obviously not proven enough. But if you had a, a Jose Mourinho, who's won trophies, we saw Carlo Ancelotti in, in after his contract is over with Real Madrid, he's going to take over Brazil. So if you were able to find and identify a manager who has won and has trophies and is hungry to succeed on the international side that, you know, frankly, there's a lot of club coaches who, who haven't coached internationally because being a club coach is what pays the bills. You make much more as a club coach. So maybe they're they they've won their trophies. They've done their due diligence. And there's like, I want to, I want to, I want to try the international game. And, yeah. and I see the potential of this U S squad, but given that the players, obviously for the most part, the majority wanted Greg back. They felt Greg built a great environment with them. They felt Greg was, could get them to play better and he became more relaxed and he was he he was more much more respected at the end of of his contract because of how he conducted himself and how much freedom he gave them compared to 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 when he started so those are all positives i think for the us men's national team supporters and fans if the team feels that they can win with him that that speaks a lot and and the majority of them versus uh, some players, you know, voicing their opinions, uh, not wanting certain coaches. And I think that's why they they decided to stick with Greg. And I still believe Greg's the best American manager out there. I just felt after everything transpired post-World Cup that you would go in a different direction. You'd, you'd want a new voice. I think the fans were much more uh, tired of of the the back and forth and the shenanigans that came out from it mm -hmm. rather than the the players. Well, what I will say is I don't know who the final options were. I don't know if we'll ever hear, we'll continue to hear speculations. I don't know if those names will ever come out. We know that there was some contact with Zidane Zidane uh right when his contract uh, Greg Berhalter's contract expired. I will tell you this. I don't I think we live in a dream world when we talk about Jose Mourinho, right? Because we were never going to be able to, 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 at any point in our history, pay him the money that he would require. We, it's just not, I don't think we're at, at that point of, uh, of a nation where we can, we, can, we, can, we can do that. I think we've lived in a dream world of who the ideal manager is because I don't think this job is as desirable as we, we think it is, right? We think it's great because we see the potential. We know that somebody could take them to the next level. But when you weigh that and the data of, of all that, what available options existed, I don't think were anything but incrementally better in certain ways and probably negative in other ways compared to Greg Berhalter, right? And so uh, I don't I don't know about that. I mean, and you look at a Brendan Rogers. Would you prefer a Brendan Rogers? Was he an option? Not? I mean, they were available. 
He just signed with Celtic. Okay, so was available. he not? But, but you're just saying names no, of people that are available. I, I'm saying names of people who are available who, in my mind, if you're available, you have to be an option. It's the, it's the coaches who already have jobs who were no, interviewed. They, no, but they have to be interested in the job. And what I'm telling you you're is telling that me a Brandon lot Rogers of people, wouldn't be interested in the U.S. job? I don't think so. You don't, I don't think, think so. so? What about this job is attractive? What about U.S. soccer is attractive to a coach? Co- coaching in a World Cup is attractive. You don't have to qualify. So for an international manager who has not coached in national teams or hasn't coached the U.S. before or in the U.S., mm-hmm. what what is attractive is that you get to play a guarantee that you play in a World Cup. Okay. That for that for a lot of managers is a, a a big a big achievement because you if you've been in the club game your whole life what when when what other opportunity are you ever going to get to coach in a World Cup a guarantee because if you coach in Europe it's super difficult to 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 get to a World Cup unless you are with a top team and even so that's not a guarantee it's very difficult considering all the competition in Europe and same thing on other side and if you go to other countries. If you're not speaking fluent in Spanish and you're not, you know, highly respected and won a ton of trophies, you're not going to any of the powerhouses in South America. So to coach the U.S. men's national team when the World Cup is in the U.S., in North America, I think is a, is a really uh, tantalizing proposition. It is it is so attractive. So that's why I would think if you're Brendan Rodgers, of course you'd be interested Okay, but you, you wouldn't right, would do, you, you would do the Zidane Zidane and be like, no, no, thanks. Like, no, but but what I'm telling, well, okay, Brendan Rodgers, for example, right? Yeah, has his team tanking down to go to go into the championship, gets fired, and is weighing an option of going back to Celtic or taking mm-hmm. a U.S. men's national team job, a U.S. Mm-hmm. men's national team that made the round of 16. Yes, right, and yep. and, a, and a young group, and you're asking him to step out of the club environment into this environment, and and you're saying he's a He's a, a better option. This guy has won the Scottish Premier League a couple times. That's all he's ever won. What do you do with Liverpool? Finish second in the Premier League? Okay. Second in the Premier League. Second. Uh, do I have to repeat that? This guy managed Liverpool, and they finished second. I know that's a while ago, but he is coached at the highest level. And I'm not saying Brennan Rodgers is the right candidate. But I'm, what I am saying is a player, a coach but like Rafa it. Benitez and Brennan Rodgers, they are considered higher up the totem pole in terms of quality coaches on the world on the world scale. That's what I'm telling you. Yeah, so there, there were putting, options. Rafa Benitez is not an option for the U.S. men's national team. What, Rafa what? Benitez, because we could never one you again we we bleed red, white, and blue. He doesn't. Mm-hmm. He does not care about the U.S. So you're saying, so you're saying you, have, you have to bleed the colors. No, but or, it has to be. And the, these guys, these guys are all making multiple millions of dollars a year. And I'm mm-hmm. not talking about one or two. I'm talking about these guys are in the seven to ten million category. These yeah. guys, and Brendan Rodgers is not on the same level as, as Rafa Benitez in terms of honors one. If Rafa Benitez, if we had the same argument and you talked about Rafa Benitez and 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 Brendan Rodgers in the same conversation about what they've won. Rafa Benitez would say, this guy? You're comparing me to this guy? Right? This guy won second uh, place? Yeah. No. They, they, you, you wouldn't know who you're being compared to. U.S. soccer is reaching out in, in, in a world where you, we... No, the, but what I'm saying, Chuck, is yeah. you're comparing Greg Berhalter 
to to Brendan Rodgers. And then you're putting Brendan Rodgers in the same category as Rafa Benitez. And those guys are not in the same category as people. And what, what, and, and, and it, the secondary it's, part of it's them just saying, other options. I'm not comparing I'm not comparing right. them against each other. I'm comparing them versus Greg Berhalter. I'm comparing whatever else is out there in the world to Greg Berhalter. That's what I'm saying. Because you said there's not a coach that is going to be incremental that much incrementally better than of, Greg Berhalter. Of what the options were. You're just throwing names you, out. You don't you you don't know the options. I don't know the options, but I uh, but I can promise you that if they had the financial ability and you had the interest of a coach like that, I don't mm-hmm. think they would pass up on that opportunity. I don't think this job was that attractive to a lot of people. I don't think this job was attractive to Jesse Marsh. I think this was was a, a tumultuous time, and I I don't think I don't think Jesse Marsh missed out on this job. Like I don't think he he put himself out there and then didn't get it. I think that there was a very small pool of coaches that we're talking about more like Patrick Vieira, Thierry Henry, guys like that, who I yep. think have incrementally better uh, capabilities in certain ways and other abilities where they probably fall behind in terms of coaching a national team. Of you think Jesse Marsh was not attracted to this job? You Jesse think Marsh he didn't openly want this said job? He didn't want this job. You think he didn't want this job? Yeah, I don't think I don't in, think in what world do you think he was not attractive as a coach with no club is not interested in, in getting an opportunity to coach the US men's national team when you and I both know that is like the highest prestige as an American coach to coach the national team Chuck, in a I world only, cup at, I can on only home go, soil. I can only go with what Jesse Marsh said. That he's when, focused on when on, he was man, when he was manager of Leeds. That's when he said that. When he had a job, yeah, then he got doesn't... fired. He got sacked, and then he doesn't have a job. And then, then those opportunities to manage clubs at that level they go away. Again, I think he's you're, not. I he's not coaching in... in the Premier League. He's not coaching. He's not getting another opportunity in the Premier League unless he goes to another league and does extremely well. And and okay, gets, it's Jesse Marsh. Opportunity. Okay. I'm taking the position of Jesse Marsh not being attracted to this job. Do you think he'd be better than Greg Berhalter? No, I've okay. already said Greg Berhalter is the best American coach. Okay, so what, it, what it, more it, do you need to hear from that? So what's the difference in the argument? I'm telling you that it wasn't that attractive of a job for for Jesse Marsh. It was posted that he's not he's not taking the he's not going to uh, be up for the job or whatever by his agent. But yeah, I'm, the I'm day the you, day that Greg was announced, that's why it, it, his agent didn't post that two months ago. His agent didn't post that three months ago or yeah, one month being, ago. That's, that's he, being he an posted agent. it. He like, posts, like, yeah. He you tried don't to get close any doors. Like tra- behind closed doors, you don't say anything. No, come on, Heath. He he posted that literally an hour before the news broke. I, I'm telling you, you saying Brendan Rogers and you saying Rafa Benitez is creating a false narrative of what I think the actual options were. For okay. sure. I, what I'm saying, I'm not saying they were the options. What I'm saying is when you say are there people out there who are available to coach that would be a step up from Greg in terms of on paper. That's what, I, that's all I'm saying. I'm not oh, yeah. saying paper, they'd be the, of course. There's, I'm there's, not, there's, I'm not, I'm not are, saying they're better fits. I'm not saying that they should be coaching. What I'm saying is on paper, there were better options out there that were available, not even tied to a club. Right. That's what I'm saying. Of course, but that's all I'm saying. 
Uh, yeah, I, I I don't disagree with that, but that that in itself is really vague compared to what I think the realities that they lived in, which was the hopefulness that you could go to a Rafa Benitez and knock on his door and be like, hey, dude, we got this team. They're on the verge of something special, you know, blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah, blah. And then make all the other things work. Run it through the 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 all their whatever filters they created and the data mm-hmm. they were trying to create to see is this the right candidate. I, I think you could have had over indexers. But you still have to have coaches that want to take this job. You still have to what, have. What, what, in what world would you hire a coach that doesn't want the job? Well, you wouldn't. Uh, That's look, my point. Is that? And I and I I see I see a comment too here from from Alec Cooper, um, who said, you know, there's never been a foreign coach to win the World Cup with 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 a with a country. That is the case, but that's the case until it happens. And Brazil, obviously are going with Carlo Ancelotti, who is not Brazilian and is, is foreign, but they think because of his ability to manage Brazilians who, who's played under him at AC Milan, at Real Madrid, they feel that he will be able to take this team to back to, to the glory way, days of old. So in, in my view, you don't need a domestic coach. You you if you get a, a fantastic foreign option, you go with it. Brazil, who is Brazil, they don't go with Carlo Ancelotti if if they think a foreign manager can't get them over the line and bring them back to where they need to be. So we we can't be naive to think that we can't do that with a foreign manager, that we need an American manager. No, not at all. But we can all agree the US looked incredible over Nations League. Mm-hmm. But Mexico is bad because right now they're they're coached really poorly, and we're not seeing the the Mexican talent of old, where you have Gio dos Santos and Carlos Vela running at you, uh, who can break down anybody one v one, and a Chicharito who scores goals for fun with his eyes closed. They don't have those players right now. Where they're they're not at least being uh, shown or or selected, so. And then you look at the Canada side, they got wiped in, in the World Cup against quality opposition. Yeah, they right. had some opportunities, but they got absolutely wiped. So we're not playing England or France in the Nations League. So, yeah, it's great that we're playing that way, but it's not obviously against an Argentina or Brazil, which, which is why I say Copa America is the real test. Is Greg going to have us compete? in a semifinals and push the envelope and, and show that we, we play the same way we did against Mexico and Canada against the Brazil and Argentina. If, if he can do that, there, there's no questions asked. I think then we know us soccer got the decision, right? The players got the decision, right? Because the players wanted Greg. I think that's where we, we really look to see what the measuring stick looks like in Copa America. Well, listen, uh, Chuck, let's wrap this thing up because uh, we got plenty more. It's going to be a long gold cup where we're all going to be on here discussing everything and plenty of episodes moving forward. So any final thoughts uh, for today? Uh, yeah, I loved our conversation because this this is what this is supposed to be. Well, for all, everybody in the chat, I, I can see it's firing on all cylinders. These are the kind of conversations that need to be had in terms of the U.S. soccer landscape. Who should be co- who do we think should be coaching and what type of coach and and how do things work and and the comp- competition in CONCACAF the ins and outs I loved it. it it was incredible but BJ for one thing we can all agree on is killing it as manager uh so shout out to BJ 
I see the MBJ uh, I trust and BJ we trust. Uh, he needs to get a promotion. If he doesn't get a job offer, like uh, we saw uh, Anthony Hudson get to, to bounce <laughs> to the, the golf, uh, I want to see BJ elevated to, to being on the sidelines as an assistant coach. Um, but uh, I mean, this is this has been a good conversation. It'll be interesting to see how Gold Cup goes with with this group. Uh, what, what are you what are you saying, Heath? Yeah, I like that as well. And I, I would have loved to have, have jumped in on the U.S. Women's, women's National Team uh, World Cup roster uh, as a quick reaction to what's going on. But we'll make sure we get to that in a future episode. But if you haven't already, make sure you check out the attacking third for the full Women's World Cup coverage. Do you have again, any any uh, players that you felt like made a? I, I guess either surprised you in their selection or are, are there any big omissions in your mind from the women's team? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I just really like, I, I like the, the, the youth of it. I like Ath- Ashley Sanchez. I like, um, uh, Alyssa Thompson. I, I like the, the, the future generation. When we go back to 2019, there was kind of like, ah, oh, do they have the experience? Do they have whatever? Like I, it always, I'm always, um, excited about, Again, young players coming into into the squad. Obviously, the average age is twenty eight because you've got you've got some older uh, veterans that that pull that average um, up. But you know, again, the Trinity Rodmans uh, of the of the world I think are are super important. Sofia Huerta, who's worked really hard. Naomi Gurma, um, another player on 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 the younger side. I just again, I like that that young Sophia Smith uh, as a player. Lynn Williams, who's been fantastic um, mm-hmm. over the last couple of years. Um, and then you've got your, your, your kind of legends in the team, your Rose Lavelle's your, your, yeah. Who's, who's captain for you? I mean, it's going to have to be, I mean, it's tough to say because you've got Rapino, you've got Alex Morgan, you've got Rose Lavelle, who I don't know if it's like that kind of, I mean, Julie Ertz. I think of, of, of players who are going to play consistently because Rapino is going to be like that, that locker room, you know, maybe super sub, Mm-hmm. Uh, type of player, I think it's between Crystal Dunn and Alex Morgan. I think those are your two legit op, uh, official candidates uh, in terms of captains. But um, we'll see. I mean, it, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be an awesome World Cup. And and I think you know when people are talking about trust funders, the 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 trust. How about just the funders? The funders. Yeah. Okay. The funders. Okay. It's not a bad shout. We've had trustees. <laughs> we've had the trust fund. There's been a number of other things, but we're we're uh, we're doing some uh, you know some group work, some A/B testing, and we'll see how it all plays out. You can't force it. It's just got to naturally yeah, settle I in, and people say it out loud to see how it all all settles in. But that is it for us. As a reminder, we will be with you again live. Much luck, everybody. After the U.S. Jamaica game uh, in the U.S.'s opener of the Gold Cup. So we'll be doing a live recap on that one. We'll be with you every step of the way, previews and recapping matches, whether that's uh, the groups as a whole or as the U.S. continues to advance, hopefully to a final and winning another final. But uh, if you haven't already, uh, make sure you leave us a comment, a rating, and a review on your favorite podcast platform. Ooh, on Apple Podcasts. Spotify, yes, Stitcher, anywhere trust. you listen to your podcast. So we're also available in video. So subscribe to us on YouTube. Hit that notification bell so we can make sure we get you these in real time as well as when we go live. So that is it from myself. And of course, on behalf of our producer, Alex, producer Des, Chuck, 
uh, Charlie Chuck Wagon Davies, and of course Jimmy Connor, who was with us at the beginning, but uh, is floating <laughs> on a on a boat in a river uh, on, on the, the Nile, Nile right Nile now. Nile River. Uh, he is and, floating and on able a, to on some raft. Somehow have a hundred uh, megabits per second uh, of a connection, but he'll be with us every step of the way as he finds his way back to uh, stable land. So that is it from us. We will see you guys soon.